today's an amazing day in, in the calendar of uh, Christendom and so on. But as I've been um, reading up about the resurrection and the early church, I found a few things that are quite interesting. Number one, do you know, actually know why uh, the, the early church changed um, their, their main get-together from Saturday to Sunday, from the Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath to Sunday? Because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. And so every time they would meet, they would declare the resurrection of Christ. In fact, in the book of Acts, the resurrection of Christ is highlighted way more than the cross. That's what gave them hope. And that's what we're going to look at. And they would um, get together and they would greet each other like this. Not, hey, how are you doing? How's your week going? But they would say this, Christos Sinestes, which means he is risen. And I'm not a Greek, but I do know Greek, so if my translation is a bit wrong. And then the answer, the person would answer, alias Sinestes, which is yes indeed. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. And I'm going to ask you to declare that in this place to each other, to look uh, to declare this in this place today to each other. So turn to somebody and with a loud voice say, Christos Sinestos. Christos Sinestos. Christos Sinestos. Alethos Sinestos. Alethos Sinestos. Alethos Sinestos. And now give somebody a hug or a handshake and welcome them to this meeting. Church, this is why we have hope. This is why we have a future. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray today that you truly consider him um, because it's true. The resurrection is true. And today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ as uh, he came out of um, uh, walking away from the the, uh, River Jordan. the apostle, uh, John the Baptist said to him, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Sorry, if we can swap around. We know um, on Good Friday, as we remembered the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, that three men were actually crucified that day. And crucifixion wasn't an unusual thing, unfortunately, for criminals. But only one of them The sinless man of God rose on the third day. And this is a historical fact in which the the early church focused on. To them, it wasn't just the cross that made the difference. Many had died on the cross, and according to Roman law, most of them deserved it in their eyes. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that gave them eternal hope when he rose from the dead. Without the resurrection, there's no difference between any other person who was crucified before. There's no difference. And without the resurrection, there's no difference between what we believe and every other religion in the world believes. They all believe in something in a God. What we believe in Jesus Christ, 
the Lord and Savior. And the reason we believe is because there's historical proof that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. It's not a fable, church. Uh, it's, many people have tried to disprove the resurrection, but we see in the Gospels that many people saw Jesus after his death. And he appeared to many. We'll see some of those scriptures now. You see, without the resurrection, today there would be less than a handful, if any, that would have even remembered Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, the apostles would have gone their way. We know that, bef- that the apostles had gone back, some of the apostles had gone back fishing already until they saw Jesus Christ in his resurrected glory. They all were going back fishing. We also know that all of them, excluding John, was prepared to die for their faith and did. All they needed to do for, not to, for them not to be crucified themselves or stoned to death or burnt to death, as church history tells us they were, all that they needed to do was deny the Christ and deny that he was risen from the dead. And they couldn't because they would have to deny their very selves to do that. You see, without the resurrection, the gospel would not be good news. Jesus would have just been a good man that did good things and loved people. But the resurrection was a major focus of the preaching of the New Testament church. And it should be the focus of ours. The resurrection was mentioned in every talk or preach in the, in the book of Acts as proof that Jesus was alive and that the gospel was true. You see, we see this in Acts chapter 2. In Acts 1-8, Jesus, before his ascension into heaven, spoke to them and said, Wait uh, in Jerusalem and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. And they did that in the upper room. And we know on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down in power and anointed them. And Peter, Peter under this anointing, this bold man now who had denied Christ and run away from, from, from Christ at his very hour of need, this bold man now, empowered by the Holy Spirit, stands up, before this large crowd who have come to see what is going on and he preaches the first gospel sermon ever. The first gospel sermon ever in the history of mankind. And his focus was this, and we're going to read it, that Jesus was no longer dead, but he is alive. This is only 40 days after the crucifixion. Many people could have refuted it. And we know that the religious people tried to squash them, but they couldn't. We're going to pick up in Acts 2, verse 22 to 41. And he's saying this in the middle of his preach. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did amongst you through him, as you yourself know. The man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on a cross. 
They were just thinking just over a month back how they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And here's the key. If it stopped there, church, there would be no hope. If that was the end of the story, there would be no hope. But this is what they put their hope in. But God, I love the Bible where it comes. You were dead in your transgressions and you were this and you were that. But because of God's mercy, I love God interjects in these things. But God, without the but God here, we would have no hope and our, and our religion would be futile. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible to death, uh, for death to keep its hold on him. Can we say amen to that? David, David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. This is as he's continued preaching. Because he has at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your holy one see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. And you will fill me with joy in your presence. And once again, Peter focuses back to the resurrection. This is the second time in one preach. Church, I've just been convicted that we need to preach the resurrection in a sense as much as we preach the cross. Because the resurrection changes our perspective of Jesus, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Look upon a little child to even our perspective of Jesus on the cross to Jesus, the risen Savior, the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. And this is what Peter says. And he's speaking here with confidence, he says, because Peter had seen him. Peter had experienced him after he had, had arisen from the dead. And he says, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that Patriarch David died and was buried and, and his tomb is here today. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah hundreds and hundreds of years before the Messiah was born. That he would not was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus with life, and we are all witness of this. Everybody there knew about this. This wasn't a secret that happened. In fact, in Acts 10, speaking to Cornelius, I was just reading up a bit about Cornelius, and many of the theologians will say that, that Cornelius was the one, one of the Roman soldiers at the foot of the cross, and he's the one who said, surely this is the Son of God. He had that revelation. And then Peter goes back to him and preaches the gospel and his whole household is saved. And he says, remember that Jesus Christ died. He tells them, even the, the Gentiles knew about it. The Gentiles knew about this. And he says, God has raised Jesus to life and we have witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, 
And yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool of your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Amazing. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. The Holy Spirit conviction came upon this and said to people and the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he said, not only is that promise for you, but it's for your children and all of those who are far off, for all whom God, our Lord our God, will call, and that's you and I. He said, what shall we do? Repent. And two of the major themes of the book of Acts preaching was the resurrection and repentance. Every time they spoke of the, almost every time they spoke of the resurrection, they spoke about repentance to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their numbers that day. Repent, believe, and be baptized. And they were added to the church. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul, who had this revelation of the risen Christ, on the road to Damascus, they changed his life from a, a, a Christian-hating zealot to the great apostle he became, one who too would lay down his life at the hands of Nero for the sake of the gospel. And he says this about the resurrection. If there was no, 13 to 15, if there was no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ was raised. And if Christ has not been uh, raised, our preaching is useless and so is our faith. What we're doing, getting beaten, getting shipwrecked, uh, laying down our lives, being persecuted like Stephen, who I saw, Paul saw, and gave approval to. Why did Stephen do that? Because he knew that God had resurrected Jesus from the dead and he could know more deny that than he could deny his very life. And our faith is useless and so is yours. More than that, we are then found to be fault witnesses. Church, this is Paul saying, this is not a game. We're not making this up. If If Jesus wasn't risen from the dead, what I'm doing is useless. My faith is useless And I'm a false witness. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. So not only will Jesus be raised from the dead, one day we will all have an encounter with God. We'll either pass away uh, and stand before our Lord and Savior and give an account of our lives or we will be raptured, depending what comes first. Throughout the New Testament, we clearly see that the testimony of the apostles was not simply simply that God loves us and cares for us and forgives us, 
And he absolutely does do that. Their testimony was that they had a personal experience and had seen the resurrected Christ and they changed their life for all eternity. They were so convinced of this fact that they literally gave up their lives for the sake of the gospel. So the question is, how convinced are we? How convinced are we of this risen Savior? Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians, the beginning of 1 Corinthians uh, 1 to 11, he writes this. And he's speaking to them about the gospel. And he ties the gospel once again to the resurrection. What he's saying over and over is, listen, yes, it doesn't matter. There are lots of good guys that might have laid down their lives. There are a lot of good people that might have done good things um, and so on. But only one took upon our sins, was nailed to the cross, and on the third day rose again. And church, that's our hope. That's our future. Uh, This is a, a temporary, temporary time we have on earth. We have a birth date and a death date, all of single one of us. And whether you live a short life or to 200, like some of the patriarchs did, it's a little dash in between those dates. And that little dash is our life. And in the context of eternity, that's all it is, a blimp on a screen. And the question I heard a a man speak about once, and it really impacted my life. What are we doing with that dash? What are we doing with that dash? Because one day, we're going to stand before the resurrected Christ. We'll be like John. When we see him in all his glory, we will fall at his feet. And John says, even as though dead. He was so overwhelmed by the power, the majesty, and the glory of the risen Savior. Not the baby in the manger, but the Lord Almighty, the Lord Mighty in battle. The Lord strong and mighty. That's the King of kings, the Lord seated on the throne. He's not sitting on the throne next to the, the Father biting his nails. What's going to happen to the earth? He is totally in control. And do we believe that in our lives? Do we believe that in ourselves? Do we believe that? Have we submitted ourselves not only to the saving grace of God, but to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is the Savior of the world? You see, by this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to it, to the word I preach you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For I received what I passed on to you as of first importance. So I'm telling you what I know and what I saw and what I've heard as first importance, that Christ died for our sins. Remember, Paul didn't believe that before he saw the resurrected Christ. Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, who was preaching on Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. He appeared to him, and then he appeared to the rest of the 12, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. We don't know where that was, 
or what, what happened there, but there was this place. This is a couple hundred people like this, and Jesus appeared to them. Not one of those people who were there ever denied that that happened. Nobody could deny it. The religious people of the day tried their best to hide it, but they could not deny it because they never, ever, no matter what they did, found the body of the Lord Jesus Christ because he had ascended into heaven. You see, 500 at the same time, most of whom are still living. So while he's writing this, he's writing to people that were actually at that meeting and two people at that where Jesus was, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles and at last he appeared to me as one who is abnormally born. He, he didn't see Jesus Christ in the flesh. He saw him through a supernatural vision. That's what he's saying there. For I'm the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. You might be thinking today that you're the least of the least and the worst of the worst. But if you've, put your, if you've ever persecuted and murdered somebody, please put your hand up. Thank God nobody did. We have RCP in the place. But can you imagine? Can you imagine the guilt and condemnation that Paul could have allowed himself to walk under? He calls himself uh, to Timothy. I was a violent man, 1 Timothy 1 or 2. Speaking about his life, looking back, because I persecuted the church. But because of God's great love, because of his grace, a God who is rich and mercy, I was saved. And I was set free. And every single one of you, I don't care what you've done, where you are, where you are, or whether you've walked away from God, uh, and you, the enemy's telling you are useless, you are useless, you cannot come back. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Because what we are actually saying, it, the, the cross was not sufficient. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ was not sufficient to save me from my sin. So we're actually thinking we're higher than God. But when we accept him as our Lord and we bow the knee and then we receive this gift, knowing that we cannot earn it, but we receive it by faith. And that's what Paul happened to Paul. But he would remember his past, but he wouldn't allow his past to hinder his future. He walked in freedom. He walked in liberty. And that's why he could preach on grace. God gave this revelation of grace that even the other apostles could not fully understand. It's amazing. Him and Peter would have some arguments over this and the council of Jerusalem trying to explain this whole thing because he was in the third heaven and God downloaded him the revelation of his life that it's not by works so that no man can boast, but it's by faith, grace through faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved. And you can be saved today, you can be healed today, and you can be set free by the power of God. Amen? Amen. For I'm the least of the apostles, and I do not deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. What an amazing thing that he carried. Many people talk of the thorn in the flesh and some think it was an eye problem and a sickness. Uh, some think, uh, th- people think it was people that were constantly howling, maybe the Judaizers. But I believe, 
And I'm just one of the other some people. So I'm not telling you, you need to believe this. But I feel in my heart, the thorn in the flesh was his past. His past. But he never allowed it to hinder his walk with God. In fact, he fell more and more and more in love with God. The older he got and the more he worked in because he had to accept him not only as his savior, Lord Jesus, save me, heal me, bless me, uh, do all of this wonderful stuff for me and then I'm gonna go and live my own life. He accepted him as his Lord, the risen Christ. He had seen him. This was not somebody to be messed with. A God of love, mercy and grace, but a God that will judge the living and the dead. And he understood this, this uh, tension that he walked in, in the love and the mercy of God, but the sovereignty and the power of God. And that's where the church needs to be. That's where the church is at its most powerful, free from sin and accusation, but walking in power and authority under the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we walk out of that shadow and we walk away, you see, God does not change like a shifting shadow. The the shadow of God means the presence of God. And Psalm 91, he says, I do not change like a shifting shadow. I never change. James says that. We need to dwell under the shadow. We need to dwell in his presence. We need to dwell with a heart and attitude. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I serve you. Where you send me, I will go. What you tell me to do, I will go. In your name. He dwells under the shadow of the mighty. That shadow never shifts. God does not change like shifting shadows, as James says. But sometimes we get out of that shadow. We wander. And God is wondering when we're going to wander back to him. Amen? You see, he says this because, I'm going to start at verse 9 again. For I'm the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by His grace. I am what I am, and his grace was not without effect. Now I worked even harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Whether it was then it was I or they, he's talking of the other apostles, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. We could bow our heads for a moment. I need to preach a, a short, simple message. If I could have BJ please come up here. Church, this is an amazing day. It's a day of celebration and it's a day of victory. It's a day we celebrate Jesus when, he, when it was prophesied he took away the sins of the world on the cross was not validated simply because he went to the cross. It was validated because he rose from the dead and he proved that he said that he was who he said he was. He proved it. And this is what they believed. 
And if you could bow your heads for a moment. I'm just going to ask BJ to sing this song. And I just want to say this. I don't know where you are with the Lord. But I want you to know that He loves you unconditionally. I want you to know that He cares for you. I want you to know that He sees you. Some are doing well and some are doing really badly. That's life. Our life journey is Psalm 23 to me. We go through green pastures. God restores our soul. But we also walk walk through some valleys. And you might be in a valley right now. You might have taken your eyes off Jesus. Or we might have. And I just pray that Jesus will give you a fresh revelation of who He is. Your Lord and your Savior. I pray too that for those that are searching who's right, who's wrong, that you will truly consider the truth of the resurrection. That you will read and study and see that nowhere could the Jewish leaders who crucified him come up with anything to say it wasn't true except lie and if you don't know Jesus he loves you he's the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world and the Bible says that if you confess your sin he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I believe God is calling some back. We can be present in the church even, but not present. God is calling us into his presence under his shadow. God is calling for repentance, which is simply turning around back to the face of God. When we walk in rebellion, we walk away from God and our backs are towards God. And God sees us like the prodigal walking away. But He's standing there with open arms, waiting and waiting. And when we repent, we simply turn around and instead of our backs being to God, our face is looking into the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And if you need to repent... If I need to repent, as I've been looking at this this week, many things I've needed to have conversations with God about. This is a good time. He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He will separate your sin as far as the east is from the west. And remember them no more. He will give you a clean slate right now. If it's simply that we've fallen out of love with Jesus. I pray today that that love and that wonder and that mystery of who Christ is will will be revealed to you afresh.
And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you'd like to meet Him in a meaningful way, I'd love to speak to you and pray with you, even after the service. If you have with somebody that knows Jesus Christ, reach out to them so that they can lead you to Christ. You see, salvation is not simply a decision or a hand raised. It's a change of heart. It's a turning around. And even when we look and see, I can't do this, Christ says, I will do it for you. I've already done it. I've forgiven you. I will lead you. Even when you walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, I am with you. And you will fear no evil, for my rod and my staff will comfort you. And I will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you too can dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. So just have a conversation with God as BJ just sings a song.